Our sermon text is Genesis 15. Continuing on in our series in Genesis, chapter 15 this evening. Let's hear God's word. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and that he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all these to him and cut them in two, down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, No, certainly, that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And our New Testament reading for tonight is Romans chapter 4, 1 through 25. As Paul uh, by the inspiration of the Spirit, meditates on those, some of those words we just read about Abram believing God. Romans 4, 1 through 25. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, 
but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray now again and ask him to bless it to us. Lord, your law is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony that you've given us is sure making wise the simple. Your precepts are right, giving joy to our hearts. Your commandments are pure, giving light to our eyes. The fear of you is clean and endures forever. Your rules are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired is your word and are your promises than much fine gold. And Lord, they are indeed sweeter than honey. And keeping them there is great reward. So Lord, we pray that you would now cause the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts to be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Do you ever wish that God would hurry up? Speed things up a little bit. Um, There's so much waiting in the Christian life, isn't there? So much waiting on the promises that he's made to come true. Uh, there, there's, uh, there, there's these promises that he's given us, great and precious promises. Um, but, but, but where's the fulfillment, Lord? Um, sometimes perhaps we think the promise he's made is just too big. He's promised too much and he can't deliver on it. Um, maybe, maybe he's not doing what he promised because he can't do it. He's not able to bring to fulfillment what he promised. He's too weak. He's not strong enough. Um, or, or perhaps we think that he's not doing what he promised because he doesn't care to do it. He doesn't love me anymore, and he's not going to do what he promised me. Um, 
we're often tempted in these, in these ways. As we live by faith, walk by faith, not by sight, we're tempted to think God is not going to make good on these precious promises that he's given to us. Um, uh, we, we think God's not strong, not for me anyway. Maybe for you sometimes, but he hasn't been for me, we might say. Or God is not good, not, not for me anyway. Maybe he's been good to you, but, but I don't see it in my life the way I expected I would. Not, not right now. Not in what I'm going through at this moment. We complain or we doubt his timing or his plan, his wisdom, his goodness. We're tempted in these ways. As we look at Genesis 15, uh, the life of Abram here, um, we're, coming, we're coming off Genesis 14 where Ab- Abram had a wonderful victory, right? He defeats those enemies uh, there. He, he defeats those kings that took Lot captive. It's a great victory. It's a great moment of his faith as he trusts in the Lord. Um, we, we see at the end of Genesis 14, Abram holds fast to his faith as the king of Sodom holds out an inheritance basically on a silver platter saying, here, have all the inheritance you want now. Abram says, no, I'm going to trust the Lord, wait on the Lord in his time. Um, don't take a shortcut uh, uh, to, to, the, to the blessing and the inheritance. So Abram in chapter 14 is Abram at his very finest. It's a good moment for him. His faith is strong and things are going well. Um, but as we move into chapter 15, as so often happens in our experience too, after a high comes a low, uh, comes, comes a challenge. As, as, 15, as chapter 15 picks up, Abram is discouraged. He is disheartened. He's looking at the promises God has made and the fulfillment looks farther away than ever. But the Lord knows Abram and he knows what he needs before he asks him. Before Abram can say a word about his struggles here, his doubts here, the Lord draws near to him. The Lord comes, renews his promise, draws out Abram's trust, gives him the sign of the covenant. uh, It gives gives him the covenant there. Uh, um, uh, He binds himself to Abram. He seals the bond, the promise that he's made in blood. He's saying, Abram, I'm good on my word. You can trust me, Abram. God God is full of grace as he moves towards Abram here, making this covenant to us. He's showing Abram his loyalty and his commitment to him and his trustworthiness. And and he's showing showing you and I that trustworthiness as well. Um, The covenant that he makes here with Abram is is, is for us as well in Christ. Uh, God is binding himself, has bound himself to his people in a blood bond that cannot be broken. He's saying, I'm for you, forever for you. Um, And so, even as it's hard to wait, we hold fast to that in, in faith. Uh, trusting His goodness, trusting His power, trusting His timing. That's, that's what this chapter, chapter 15 of Genesis, is about. It's about faith in the covenant promise of God. Uh, we see Abram as a wonderful example to us here of the faith that we should have in God and the covenant promise that He's made to us. Uh, four, four lessons, then, I'd like to draw out from this chapter on, on faith for us. Uh, four, four lessons. Number one, faith is second. Grace comes first. Faith is second. Grace is first. Chapter 15, as we said, opens with God coming to Abram to reassure his faith. Before Abram responds, before Abram even asks for a reassurance, God comes to Abram first. He initiates. He comes, he comes first. Uh, this is this reminder to us that grace comes first before, before faith. Um, Abram didn't ask 
God for this, but God knows that he needs it. Uh, God sees his people. He knows his people. He sees the discouragement of his people. And he moves towards it, and he intervenes, and he acts on their behalf. Um, This is not an insignificant point for us to notice that before Abram cries out to God, God moves towards him. He he initiates the the roots. It's telling us that the roots of God's covenant with us and his commitment to us lie in him and not in us. Um, he, he, He acts. He is gracious. And then we respond. Faith is always a response to the grace of God. Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes the same thing. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Grace, then faith responds. And this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God that no one should boast. So God, God is gracious. He moves towards Abraham, uh, even as Abram is, is in this place of discouragement. And he says to Abram in verse 1, um, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. You're exceedingly great reward. Don't be afraid, Abram. Why, why might Abram be afraid? Well, perhaps it's because he just fought a battle against some powerful enemies, and he won. And there might be some retaliation. Or perhaps he's simply afraid because God has come to speak to him, which is in itself a terrifying thing. Whatever the reason, uh, uh, maybe, maybe it's that either of these things, maybe it's something else entirely. Maybe it's that he doesn't know how the future is going to unfold. He doesn't know what lies ahead for, for this, the promises God has made. But the Lord comes to him and says, don't fear. And he gives him two reasons why. First, he says that he is, he is, your, your, he is, he is Abram's shield. What's a shield do? It stops, it stops things, right? It stops arrows, stops a sword, stops, stops a spear. It, it blocks things. It, it protects things. protects you in, in battle. Um, God says to Abram, I'm your shield. What kind of a shield is he? Not a flimsy plastic shield like my boys play with. Right? Not, 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 a, not, not a shield that's easy to puncture. What kind of a shield is God? Well, this is a shield on the arm of the Almighty. What can he protect you from? If he commits to protecting you, what's going to pierce that or get around it? Absolutely nothing. With God as your shield, no weapons can harm you. Second, he says to Abram, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. Second, he says, I'm your reward. You're exceedingly great reward. God protects you. Abram, and God is also the one who blesses you, who satisfies you with good, who rewards you with so many blessings, rewards you with his very self. Nothing can take that away. Nothing can surpass that reward. Uh, God is the greatest protector, and God is the greatest reward. These, these two things that God reminds Abram here are, the fundamental, uh, are, are fundamental to our relationship with the Lord. Th- these are the things we're always craving. Security and happiness. Right? We, want, we want to be safe. We want to be happy. Uh, these are the things we're always chasing. And we're looking to other gods, other idols, other things to give us. Protection and satisfaction. Uh, but the Lord says, I am your shield, Abram, and I am your reward, Abram. So don't fear. Uh, don't fear as you wait on the promises. You are secure in the Lord, and your reward is sure in the Lord. This is how the Lord begins. He moves towards Abram in grace, speaking these things to Abram, reminding him of who he is for him. And then, the next thing we see, the second lesson here, faith 
brings doubt to God. Faith brings doubt to God. As we move on in the text here, we see Abram does have doubts. He is struggling. Um, uh, God has moved towards him in grace. Uh, God said, I'm, I'm your God. Uh, uh, and now Abram pours out his heart to him. He brings his discouragement to him. There's no distance in this relationship. Abram trusts the Lord, and he knows he can pour out his heart to the Lord. Uh, he, he's not pretending, he's not acting, he's not hiding anything from God. He has these discouragements, and he's laying them bare to the Lord. Um, uh, he's, he says to the Lord, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I go childless? So he's honest with God. Um, brothers and sisters, it's a model for us of how our faith should act towards the Lord as well. Uh, faith should not pretend to be strong when it's weak. Right? We should go to the Lord with our doubts and discouragements. We should pour out our heart to Him. We should, we should say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Um, take your discouragement and your grief and your disappointments to Him. No one will listen like He listens or help like He helps. Um, his, his commitment to you does not depend on, on, on your faithfulness to him, uh, on, on your obedience to him. So you can take that doubt and that discouragement to him, and he will be gracious towards you. So Abram does this. He takes his discouragement to God. He says, uh, there's still no heir. You made the promise a while ago. Uh, Sarai's still barren. Uh, we're not getting any younger. Uh, it's looking, uh, you know... More and more and more and more impossible that the promise will come true, Lord. Um, so Abram looks around. He says, well, there's Eliezer, one of my servants, and I can adopt him and make him my, my legal heir, and then he can be the one who fulfills the promise. Abram's discouraged because he can't find a way for God to fulfill his promise, so he's going to try to find a way himself. Um, but I want to think for a minute about why Abram is discouraged. What is it that Abram wants here? He's, he's operating by faith, even as he's discouraged. He's still, he's still operating by faith in this chapter. Um, what is it that, that he is discouraged about? One, one commentator asks this. Is, is he simply in search of a cuddly Abram Jr. with a heart-melting smile? Is that what Abram wants? He just really wants a kid. He wants a little boy to call him daddy and run to him and give him a hug. And, right? Not a bad thing. Is that, is that Abram's deepest desire, though? Uh, is this a matter of, you know, Lord, you haven't given me the good life that I expected here and now, so I'm discouraged? Um, uh, you, you, you haven't uh, fulfilled my personal dreams? I don't think so. Um, I think Abram's faith is, Lord, your purposes haven't been fulfilled yet the way I want them to be. Lord, you promised this wonderful blessing for me and also for the earth through me, and I want to see that fulfilled. I want to see your glory, O oh Lord, your, your blessing, your purpose accomplished. It's not that Abram is, is so disappointed because his personal dreams are being crushed, but he's disappointed because he, he wants to see more of God's glory and God's purpose advance. His disappointment, then, is even a model for us, isn't it? Our disappointment is often because, our discouragement is often because, well, my personal dreams are being crushed, or, or they're not turning out the way I wanted them to, rather than the way faith gets disappointed when, 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 uh, when we want to see uh, the Lord's kingdom come and, and His will to be done, and, and, and that's the burden of our hearts, and, and that's what we greatly desire. And then we, when we're faced with those discouragements, taking those in faith to the Lord. The third 
lesson for us about faith here. Number three, faith is strengthened by God's promise. Faith is strengthened by God's promise. So Abram is, is struggling with God's promise that he'll have an heir. He's trying to come up with a human solution to the problem. He can adopt his servant Eliezer and God's purpose can run through him. But the Lord clarifies to him in verse 4 that one of Abram's own body, his, his, his biological child, will, will be his heir. Um, and then God renews his promise to Abram that he's not just going to have one child, but it's going to be a whole host of descendants, a great nation. An innumerable number of descendants will be born to him. And then he takes Abram outside the tent. It's dead of night. Uh, it, it, it's pitch black. No lights, no light pollution out. Um, uh, uh, it's like when you're camping way out in the woods and uh, it's, everything's dark and the stars are just brilliant. So God takes Abram out of his tent, looks up at the sky, and there's just stars everywhere. Brilliant, glittering stars, crystal clear night. God says, number them if you can. Um, of course, Abram can't. And God says, so shall your descendants be. What I want to focus right here is, uh, what, what does God do? He doesn't say, you know, he doesn't respond to Abram's, um, Abram's questions and, and discouragements by saying, Abram, what's the matter with you? Don't you know that you can trust me? That I, I don't need to make a promise more than once. I'm, I, I'm the Lord God. I, I don't lie. I, if I say it once, it's, it's, it's good forever. You should know that by now, Abram. You should have learned that by now. I'm God Almighty. I don't change. Right? God could have said that to him. It's all true. But he comes down instead. He comes down. He, he, he condescends to Abram. He speaks with him, and then he leads him out of his tent and gives him a picture, something to hang on to, a promise to hang on to. He repeats his promise to him again, gives him this, this powerful visual, this moment that would probably be burned in Abram's memory for the rest of his life, so that from now on, every time he sees a starry sky, he remembers God's promise to him that uh, he would have these many descendants. So, so God, is, God is drawing out faith. Right? He, he, he's, he, he's, he's getting to work in Abram's heart. Uh, he's not impatient with him. He's gentle with him. And he, he's drawing out and nurturing his faith by the promises of God. He gives Abram fresh confidence in God's care for him and the promise for him. He doesn't do anything, really, that he hasn't done before. He's just giving him the promise again, the same promise again. Uh, but for faith, that's enough to receive the promise is enough. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not, uh, things not seen. Faith doesn't wait for fulfillment. Faith, says a promise from the Lord, is enough. Rests on the things that are unseen. And Abram, so Abram, Abram gets this promise from the Lord and it's enough for him. He responds in trust and belief. He, he, he knows who God is. He knows he's the possessor of heaven and earth, God Almighty, the creator of all things. Um, in the words of one of our hymns, God has promised, be it must. Uh, this, is, this is enough for Abraham. If God has said it, it's as good as done. What about ourselves? Is God's promise enough for you? Will you trust him at his word? Do you take him at his word? When he says something to you, is it as good as done? You can stake everything you have and everything you are in that promise. This is, this is what faith 
does. If you're struggling with doubt or wondering, where's the fulfillment of the promise? Keep going back to the promise. Going back to the Word. What has the Lord promised me? Take hold of those promises. This is what strengthens our faith as we wait on the fulfillment. Going back over the promises again and again. Saying, Lord, you promised that you would be my shield and my protector. I look at my life. I don't, I don't feel like, like, like secure right now, but I know that you are these things for me. So give me the strength to believe it. Um, grasp hold of the promises of God, even as Abram does. Abram, Abram, the text says, believes God and it's counted to him as righteousness. He uh, puts his trust in God. Um, trust is important, right? That's what faith is. It's not just an abstract assent to a truth. Yes, I, I believe that's true, but it's a real trust. Uh, um, uh, you, you can know that an airplane is a safe way to travel. You can believe that, assent to it in your mind. But until you board the plane, get on the plane, and stay on the plane, right, you're not really trusting that it's true that an airplane is a safe thing. That's what we need to do with the Lord. I trust you, Lord. I'm all in. Everything I have, everything I am, I believe you are who you say you are, uh, that you'll do what you promise to do, and I'll stake everything on that. That's the faith Abram has. This is the faith that saves. This, this trust in God and, and his promise is the faith that justifies. Abram's faith is, uh, is a model for us, but we have so much more uh, to look at than he did, so much more promise to see than, than he did, don't we? Um, the promise to Abram that he received was the promise of a son and his descendants. We've seen that promise fulfilled in Christ. We've seen it fulfilled as Christ is the, the son to be born. Christ is the one through whom blessing goes out to the nations. Uh, we, we see spiritual sons and daughters of Abram more numerous than the stars of heaven being born as all nations come to Christ. We've, we've seen that fulfilled. So we, we have all this fulfillment that we have seen to hold, to hold on to, as well as more promises. Christ will come again. His word won't fail in that. Uh, his, his, uh, he will bring us into his eternal inheritance. We have this promise to hold on to. We need to hold on to it hard by faith. That's what saving faith does. It grasps the promise and doesn't let go. All right, and then the fourth lesson for faith here. Faith is built on God's gracious covenant. Faith is built on God's gracious covenant. We've only worked through the first six verses. Um, the bulk of the chapter, verses 7 to 21, which remains now, turns and focuses on the covenant God makes with Abram here. Abram and his faith recede a bit into the background. He's, st- he's still there, but the focus is much more uh, is, is, all, is all on God as he cuts this covenant with, with Abram. Um, God has already promised to give Abram a, an heir. Now he renews the promise of the inheritance, and now he confirms it with a, with a covenant. These covenants were, were a feature of, of life in the ancient Near East. Uh, a greater king, called a suzerain, would uh, make, a, make a covenant, a treaty, with a lesser king, a vassal. Uh, they're called suzerain vassal treaties. And, and uh, the greater king would give promises to the lesser king. I'll, I'll, I'll bless you in these ways. I'll protect you in these ways. As long as you obey me, as long as you're loyal to me. If you disobey, if you're disloyal, I'll curse you in these ways. I'll punish you in these ways. I'll devastate you in these ways. Um, and, uh, and this would be a binding contract. It, 
much like we sign contracts, right? Fill out the paperwork. Um, but these contracts were much more interesting than sitting down and signing paperwork. They had a different way to, to formalize the contract. Um, instead of paperwork and witnesses, they, they would say, well, let's, let's, let's get some animals. Let's cut them in half. Make a, make a walkway through these animals split in half. And we'll walk through these animals together. When you made, that's, how you, that's how you make a covenant. And the point of that being, if I don't uphold my end of this deal, this, this, this covenant, this agreement, may it be done to me like it was done to these, these animals. Um, even the verb they use to describe making a covenant reflects this. They, they would, in the Hebrew, it's called cutting a covenant, literally. Um, a covenant is, is cut. So God is, God is going to cut a covenant with Abram. So he says, Abram, go get the animals. Abram goes to get a heifer, a goat, a ram, turtle dove, and a pigeon. He, he brings them. He, he cuts them in two, lays each piece opposite the other. The sun goes down, uh, and, and then God, God comes as Abram is in a deep sleep. The Lord comes. He renews his promises to Abram. He, he focuses on the inheritance. He promises him his, his descendants will eventually inherit this land. They're going to be captive in Egypt for a while. After 400 years, they'll come back and, and inherit the land. And Abram, even though you're not going to inherit it yourself yet, you're going to die in hope, die in peace, um, not in despair. And there's the implicit hope of resurrection life. God makes these promises of this inheritance, and then he confirms them. God walks through those pieces of the animals that were cut and laid, uh, laid opposite each other. Uh, he passes through this in the form of a burning torch in a, in a smoking oven or, or pot. And, and we, should, we should just take a step back and appreciate what God is doing in this. God is walking through these pieces of animals, making a covenant with Abram. It's astounding. He, he's he's uh, binding himself to Abram with an unbreakable bond. Why, why would God make a bond like that with a creature, with, with a man, a sinner even? Does he need something from Abram? Does he need some, some, someone to serve him, someone to love him, someone to worship him? Is he lonely? No. He's the triune God from all eternity. He does not need anything. Does he owe Abram something? No. He doesn't owe him anything except judgment, really. So the fact that God, the Creator, eternal Creator, enters into a per permanent relationship with a creature, a sinful creature, is an astounding act of grace and love and condescension. God is doing this because He loves Abram. He's saying, Abram, I am going to bind myself to you forever. I'm going to swear to do good to you forever. Think, think, think of it like, like a marriage, right? It's a permanent relationship, not ever to be broken. And God is coming down to a sinner, and he's saying, I am going to be your God forever. Not because I need anything from you, but just because I love you. And I want to be gracious to you, and I want to bless you. So God passes through the pieces. And as he does that, he's saying to Abram, if I don't keep this covenant that I'm making you, may I be torn in half, slaughtered like these animals. God cuts the covenant. Right? He passes through the pieces. He seals it in blood. It can never be undone. Notice who doesn't go through the pieces. 
Only God passes through in these other treaties in, in, uh, that, that we see in these other uh, situations between this greater king and lesser king. And those treaties, two people would always go through the, the covenant uh, ceremony. Um, two people would sign the paperwork, if you will. Uh, but here it's, it's just the Lord. Abram is, is absent. Only the Lord passes through. He, he's, by, do, by doing that, he's saying, I'm, I'm going to take on my obligations. I'm also going to take on your obligations, Abram. Um, I'm going to make sure this covenant is upheld on both our ends. I myself will make sure that, 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 that you uphold the covenant. And, and I myself will commit myself to the punishment of your covenant breaking. That uh, God is ensuring this covenant will be kept. What a firm foundation God is laying for Abram's faith. Right? This, this solid foundation. Abram sees God bind himself in blood to bless him. It's an astounding thing. God condescend to bless him. God taking on himself the obligations of the covenant. But again, the foundations for Abram's faith are strong here, but, but the foundations for ours are, are even stronger as, as we so much more for us to see and, and to, to understand here. Um, we have seen God cut a covenant with us. Not in the blood of a cow or a goat or a pigeon, but in the blood of his own son. Uh, we've seen him seal that covenant with blood, bind himself to us. Um, we, we, we've, we've seen Jesus Christ take on the punishment that we deserve for our covenant breaking. We've seen Jesus Christ uphold our end of the covenant by his righteous life. God showing us that he is so committed to bless us that he will take on the curse for our sakes and give us the blessing that Christ deserved. So how, as, as we wrestle through you know, the, the experience of waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises, the life of faith that is the Christian life, where our great encouragement and the strength of our faith should, should, uh, should rest on this foundation. We should look at the covenant that God has cut with us in Christ. His promise to us. He's bound himself to us forever and promised us an eternal reward in Christ. So we have every reason to trust him and to wait patiently on him and to know that it's, uh, his, his purpose and his timing are, are right and, and good and he's made these covenant promises. He's bound himself to himself uh, forever. Uh, so let us trust him uh, with all our heart. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for cutting a covenant with us in our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have bound yourself to us forever and uh, committed yourself to bless us. Lord, we are astounded at your grace and mercy. We pray, Lord, that you'd make us full of faith, full of faith in the promises you've given. Father, we pray these things in Christ's precious name. Amen.